Listener-supported KTOO. Welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and On Demand as a podcast. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. I'm your host, Boston Christopher Gunchi. Shawa Salamat for joining the conversation. On today's show, the first Juno Jazz Fest kicks off tomorrow as three days of world-class jazz performers and school jazz groups jamming together. We'll get all the details. An evening of romance, a concert with flickering candlelight and soaring arias, just in time for the loveliest of holidays. Manifesting coach Julie Peters is here with more steps on getting the things you want. And When Whales Die, a special presentation from the Juno Audubon is happening Thursday. We'll have a preview. Those conversations, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. A few announcements before we begin. Due to weather last week, bar flies had to be rescheduled, so you can join Tongas Trout Unlimited this Thursday, February 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Imperial Saloon for their first fly tying event of the year. Corey Hansen will be walking folks through the Clouser minnow. No experience needed. Materials are provided. That's bar flies Thursday, February 9th. Uh, excuse me, Thursday, February 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Imperial. For more info, email tongastu at gmail.com. And a reminder that tomorrow, also Thursday, February 8th, Clinkett and Haida is having a presentation and community conversation to learn more about the Juno School District's proposed models for restructuring and consolidation of schools to address a nearly $8 million budget deficit. Clinkett Naida says it is critical for our Juno tribal citizen families to know what impacts these proposals may have on their children's education programs and support services. The event will include food and refreshments and will be webcast live. All families, school employees and community leaders are invited to attend. That's tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. Thursday, February 8th at Elizabeth Parachovich Hall. And the event will also be webcast live on Clinkett and Ida's Facebook page. Also, KTOO turned 50 a few weeks ago and we are celebrating through the spring. We want to hear from you, the community that has supported local owned, locally owned airwaves in Juneau for five decades. We'd love to hear your reflections on how KTOO has impacted you over the years. We're looking for audio submissions that are one to three minutes in length that share your thoughts, memories, driveway moments, personal stories about the station that we can use on the air. To submit, you can record your message on your smartphone and email it to junoafternoon at ktoo.org. Instructions for getting good audio can be found on our homepage. Just click one of the banners there at ktoo.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Gunath Chish, Hawa, Salamat, and thank you. Jocelyn Clark here to wish KTOO a happy 50th. Having been born only a few years before the station, for my whole life, I have thought of KTOO as a center of our community. Growing up, K2 exposed us to every genre of music, as well as local, state, and national news, all at one stop on the dial. Susan Fitzgerald and Jeff Brown schooled Robin G. Davis, Rold Simonson, and me in the art of producing a radio show. And in 2007, we launched Cross Sound Radio to support the Cross Sound New Music Festival, which ran here in Juneau from 1999 to 2011. It always started like this. 
Welcome to Cross Sound Radio. I'm Roblin Gray Davis, your host for two hours of eclectic contemporary music by composers from around the world. The show took around 30 hours each week to produce, significantly more than we had imagined. We'd record into the wee hours of the night, always managing to get our files uploaded before our two-hour slot, but often with only minutes to spare. We managed to produce 52 shows before we all moved on to new projects. It is with sincere gratitude and hearts full of nostalgia that all of us from Cross Sound Radio wish KTOO a happy birthday. Happy birthday, K2. Happy birthday, K2. Happy birthday, K2. You're listening to community-supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO, 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Ock Bay, and online at ktoo.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. The first and hopefully annual Juno Jazz Fest begins tomorrow, Thursday, February 8th, and will be three days of world-class jazz performers alongside school jazz groups and adult jazz fans to learn, play, and appreciate America's music jazz. Um, There will be clinics, performances tailored for both schools and the public, and collaborative presentations featuring artists, students, and local performers. Here to tell us all about it are Sandy Fortier and Rachel Disney from Juno Jazz and Classics, and Kyle Athade, professional musician and head of the Kyle Athade Dance Party, who we were just listening to, <laughs> um, just getting us in the mood for some awesome jazz. So, um, Gunath Chish Hatye Adi, thank you all so much for being here today. What's up? How's it going? It's going great. We're excited. <laughs> yeah, this is like an amazing thing. So I want to um, start with you, Sandy, because um, this is billed as the first Juno Jazz Fest, not to be necessarily confused with Juno Jazz and Classics, which is your day job. Um, <laughs> but what is the Juno Jazz Fest and how did it come about? Sure. Well, it's kind of a Juno story. It's it's an iteration of the Sitka Jazz Fest that's been going for years and years over at Sitka. And the schools would travel over to Sitka and, and spend a few days there learning and playing. And it didn't happen last year. Maybe not. It wasn't going to happen this year. So Mike Busey, who's a teacher, music teacher at Zonta Kahini, and then uh, Brian Van Kirk, who's a music teacher at Thunder Mountain High School. We just kind of ran into each other on the trails or at school functions, and we got to talking and said, well, if it's not going to happen in Sitka, let's bring it to Juneau. And Kyle Athade, who's here with us, he's been performing and teaching over at Sitka for years. And so he kind of knew how it works. And we all got together in November, decided that we would see if there was enough support for it. And there was. And so here we are. We're just going to bring it to Juno and hope that the community shows up for it. And yeah. Isn't it amazing how like, you know, just walking on the trails and, you know, just bumping into people in Juno because we have such a tight knit community and it's a small community and all of a sudden ideas are born. Yeah. Right. That's pretty amazing, actually, that yeah. that happens. And now here is the happening Juno Jazz Fest. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a great partnership between Juno Jazz and Classics and the Juno School District. And so we can have all the clinics and the the workshops and the concerts at the high schools. And then we have some things out in the community that Juno Jazz and Classics can help with. And so that's what we were interested in helping with. Well, we support music education. Yeah, And we absolutely. support jazz and in the community. We just need more of that. 
Well, that's awesome. And the, and the kids don't have to fly over to Sitka. Maybe other people can come here, which yeah. is also great for them, I bet. And of course, if you want to see the whole schedule, you can go to jazzandclassics.org slash jazzfest. That will have all of the different events that are happening this week. Let's talk about a little bit of them, though. Like, So this sounds like it's for students to collaborate with some professional musicians, but it's also for adults in the community. So it's kind of for everybody, but there's different events tailored for different people. Is, is that... Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's right. So tell us how that works, the breakdown of that. Either one of you could let us know about that. Well, yeah. So the some of the events we have are a children's show concert, which we're doing on Saturday morning at the Mendenhall Library. And that we take um, arrangements of children's songs like the wheels on the bus or if you're happy and you know it. And we do different things with them to teach audiences about jazz. So that's a children aimed one, but it's a great concert for everyone. Uh, but then that same night after the final concert, we have a jam session at the Red Dog. And that's something where all adults can come and sit in. And there's probably not going to be too many kids at the Red Dog at 11 p.m. Probably not. <laughs> I bet you there will be a few Juno <laughs> Maybe, kids there. Right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be going into the schools and playing for the elementary schoolers, for the middle schoolers, high schoolers. Some of the performances we're doing are with the students playing with us. Some of them are playing for the students. And then sometimes we're doing clinics where the students are performing for us and then we give them feedback. Okay. That's awesome. Now, I think I mentioned that it starts tomorrow. And I think one of the first events is at the state office building. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about what's what's kicking off the festival. Yeah, that kicks off the festival, a free brown bag concert at the state office building from, um, at, from 12 to 1. So bring your lunch over and you get to hear the first iteration of some of the musicians that were flying in. And that's the only main public event tomorrow because then they'll be in the schools coaching and getting ready for the concerts on Friday and Saturday. I see. So, so uh, musicians are flying in today, mm-hmm. and and they'll be going into the schools tomorrow. But sort of like you're presenting them to the world, noon at the state office building. If you want to grab your lunch and bring it and listen to a little bit of jazz, yeah. And then, um, what are the other public events that people would want to know about? Um, is it Friday night and Saturday night? Is that what it is? Yeah, those are the ticketed events. The um, Friday night and Saturday night, five thirty to eight thirty, and that will include the school groups and local groups like uh, Fleet Street, Hot Club of Juno, all these uh, Juno Big Band, Last Word Combo. So all the great jazz musicians in town that you've probably heard are playing in this concert. So it'll be like one after another. And then uh, Kyla Thade's group will play at the end. So you come 530 to 830, come in and out and hear tons of groups on Friday and Saturday. That sounds really great. Okay, and of course, we can find out more at jazzandclassics.org slash jazzfest. Um, some are ticketed events. Uh, some are free, like tomorrow's brown bag lunch at the state office building. And then what a great opportunity, Kyle, for the students in Juno to be able to collaborate with musicians from out of town. Um, and so what, what does that do for you? I mean, this is something that you obviously have your heart in, um, and that you love to do. And what, what, tell us a little bit more about what you do with the kids and how you bring this music to them. Sure. The, um, one of the main things that we do with the dance party is a, an educational outreach program, which is sponsored by the generations and jazz foundation in the San Francisco Bay area. And they're also a sponsor for this event. And, what we do is we go to different schools and I do rehearsal clinics where I'm working with the full student band. And then on the day of the concert, 
our band sits in with the student band and they get to sit right next to us while we're rehearsing and see how professionals rehearse and play. And then they do their rehearsal while we're sitting there with them and we give them feedback and they get to ask questions. And I think that the the really close access that students get to professionals is something that is just so helpful to their development and you can't replicate it any other way. And it was something that a lot of us in the band got to experience when we were younger. So it's really fun for us to get to do what we do and show it to the students. And there's a lot of things that are maybe easy to take for granted that we do, but it just lights up a kid's world to see a professional musician doing it. So to get to have that feedback in close proximity really helps to get us more excited about the teaching that we're doing because we're really seeing the impact that it has. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, a young student may, you know, see that and go, okay, I could do this as well. And even if they don't grow up to necessarily be a professional musician, they have an appreciation of the music and they remember these moments probably for the rest of their lives in terms of like what, what I remember about playing with this professional band when I was in, and what are the different ages that you work with? Are you working with elementary as well as middle school, high school? Yep. All, pretty much all ages. Actually, another program from the Generations in Jazz Foundation is our um, summer jazz workshop, the Lafayette Summer Music Workshop. And we have students there ranging from going into sixth grade all the way to in their 80s. And oh, wow. um, the, the school programs we do at the dance party, like I mentioned, we have this children's concert. We really tried to take songs that kids as young as three, four, five would know. Uh, I have a four-year-old niece, so I kind of run them by her and say, what do you think about this song? Um, so yeah, we worked with, with all ages and we just love seeing people be inspired. And yeah, like you were saying, even if they don't become a musician, just the fact that they had an experience that was really exciting and left an impact on them, I think gives them a really good framework for how they live the rest of their lives and try to affect other people in that positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Just one question in your repertoire. Do you happen to have um, one of my favorite songs, which is Raffi's Peanut Butter Sandwich? Raffi's Peanut Butter Sandwich. You know that peanut butter, peanut butter sandwich made with jam. One for me and um, one for Uncle M. Like that. It's a really good song. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> or the other one that I love that he does is I... I um, uh, something about I'm growing, I'm growing, right? Like hmm. it's all about how a kid is growing up and they're trying to reach the sink to brush their teeth. And then they, you know, it's just, he's got some wonderful oh, that's great. songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah Rap, he he's, he's just really, really wonderful. All right. So Sandy, is this going to be like, is this hopeful? I know it says first. So I'm just thinking if you put that first out there, that means that <laughs> <laughs> if all goes well, I'm assuming there'll be a second. It's going well so far and we have big hopes for it. And gosh, this community's really come out in support of it. So yeah, I mean, we want to expand and we want to have Kyle come up every year. So yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a great thing for the students. It's a great thing for the town. There's a lot of jazz lovers in Juneau. And of course, it just continues the great work that Jazz and Classics is doing all throughout the year. And of course, in this way, working with different organizations like the Juneau School District to make sure that we're getting artists in the schools and then having these public performances. Um, and so that's really great. So it's the Ju it's the Juneau Jazz Fest. It begins tomorrow at noon over the state office building. Um, and there's going to be a free concert there. Bring your lunch and enjoy some of the musicians that are coming into town. And then they're going to get to work. Yep. They're going <laughs> to go in the schools and do all the work that they need to do to get ready for the public concerts that are Friday and Saturday night. Right? Right. 
And you can get all the information for this at jazzandclassics.org slash jazz fest. Um, Kyle, thank you so much. Sandy, we'll see you in a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Um, this is, uh, so let me play a little, I want to play out a little bit with this other song that you have called, um, I think people would might recognize this one. Hmm. Thanks, Kyle. Thank Thanks, you. Sandy. Thank you. Are you ready for some lovely candlelight accompanied by beautiful arias and poetry? Well, up next, we'll find out all about an evening of romance. Next, here on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. Hanson Gress, Ka eat with the shu yi, we kashuk a tin. Jin kat ka kei jin tao ka na khaya haani kak Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Akwan. The Klenedi have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot, once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who travel to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. We'd like to take a moment and say thank you to the individuals who helped us craft our daily land acknowledgement. Gunnath Cheesh to Vera Starbart, who planted the idea of making it super place specific and guided us on pronunciation. Lillian Petershore, who created so much of the beautiful structure. Ishmael Hope, who gave us additional ideas. And Ernestine Hayes, Bob Sam, and Fran Houston, who gave important feedback. We are grateful to all those offering guidance as we grow as an organization. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. This Monday, February 12th at the Jack, Juno Jazz and Classics presents an evening of romance, arias, candles, poetry, and a bar. Come together, come alone. It's a perfect treat for this romantic time of year and a getaway from our recent weather woes. And here to tell us more about it, I'm seeing 
the same person that was here before, Sandy Fortier. Yeah, I'm and here all Rachel, day. And Rachel Disney <laughs> from Juno Jazz and Classics, who apparently I hear also is celebrating something special. <laughs> it's my birthday today. It's your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. And Thank you, you. And you had to come to work. I know. I know. Blame who's your, Sandy. Who's your boss? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you both in here to talk about this. So we were just listening to um, the lovely performing artist who will be here on Monday. And I believe it's, it's say, say it again, Danielle... Talamantes. Talamantes. And she is a singer and is going to be coming here along with the gentleman who was accompanying her on piano there. And uh, they're going to be performing an evening of romance on Monday night. So tell us a little bit about this concert. It's a busy time for you. all you got this Juno Jazz Fest we just talked about, and now you got a concert coming up on Monday right after it. February is the month, man. February is the month. So tell us a little bit about how this came about and what it's, what it's going to be all about. So an evening of romance is, so Daniel Talamantes that you heard on there will be accompanied by Henry Dellinger. And our artistic director, Zul Bailey, found them and is decided that we needed to have them here in Juneau, which I'm really glad that they're coming up here. Um, she's going to be singing some really romantic songs, arias. And what I really love about this is she's going to be singing songs that have been composed from poetry, like James Joyce, Maya Angelou. Um, and Henry Dellinger, who is the pianist that's going to be coming with her, composed a lot of these songs that she's going to be singing. Oh, wow. Um, so they took poems mm -hmm. and then put music to them. Yeah. His most recent one, which I don't know that he's going to be doing while they're in town, but a big one that if you want to go look up is the love song for um, J. Alfred Prufrock. Um, okay. So I've been listening to this and I'm just blown away by it. They take the poems, they turn them into songs. And it's just really, really beautiful compositions of these poems that are just already so beautiful wow yeah it's that... pretty cool and i'm a writer so i'm really getting into it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really that's really great and so and so zul found them and just thought this would be a great time zul who's the artistic or music director right for yeah, the, artistic for the director. jazz and classics um and said let's present them in february yeah they're in well they're in ketchikan right now and then they're going to anchorage for the Sitka Music Festival, they have like a uh, winter series up there. And then they're stopping in Juneau on their way to Sitka. So they're touring all over Alaska I see. right So now. they're making it all around Alaska mm -hmm. during this lovely month of love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, which is great. And because Juneau Jazz and Classics, you all are pretty busy in – you have your two festivals. You have one in September and then you have your bigger one in May, um, which I'm assuming you're in the middle of planning all of that. Um, yeah. And so is, is this – so presenting concerts outside of that, sometimes you do a New Year's Eve thing, sometimes you do other things. So how do do these not get in the way, but are they, are they fun to do in addition to those larger events that you're planning? Because it's kind of a one-off, right? Yeah, it's a one-off. We're, we're always experimenting with what works well in the community, and that's why we had started that second festival in the fall, mm -hmm. which actually – we decided to go back to the longer format in May. Okay. And so we're, we are uh, going to have three weekends this May, and then we'll do try more of these one-off concerts throughout the year, just whenever we can see that there's a need in Juno or whenever artists are coming through Juno and we can get them for a good price and then right. Um, right. keep the ticket prices as low as we can for everybody. I see. Okay. So fall festival, not is is out of the loop. We're back right. to a big festival in May. 
Um, three weekends in May. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll have some other one-offs throughout the year as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got you. And we're, you know, we are busy right now, but we love it. Yeah. It's and fun. we it have all these good opportunities that we can't pass up and just to expand our mission and our reach. And so we're just going for it. Well, I imagine that, um, you know, with the other cities around Alaska, I know there's sort of a tour network mm-hmm. and it's a great way to be able to cut down the cost because if you collaborate with a few other cities, especially like Anchorage or some of those other larger cities and they come up for a tour, then the price goes down because you're all splitting the travel costs and it's a little bit easier on the pocketbook for, for you all to present it, which then again, like you said, lowers the ticket price. Um, and there's a variety of people that come through. So it's really great that you're picking that up and, and we're going to be doing that. Yeah. Um, and then of course we're really excited about the big festival in May as well. So any, any, any hints on what's happening in May? You want to <gasps> drop right now? Any exclusives for yeah. Juno afternoon? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we do have most of the lineup finalized, but one that is, I'm excited about is Imani Winds. They're a wind on a uh, wind group that are going to be our classical group uh, close to the end of the festival in May, and they won a Grammy this awesome. weekend. Nice. So we have to them. Grammy award winning Imani Winds coming to Juno in May. Yeah, that's nice. But. More importantly, on Monday, (laughs) (laughs) we have Danielle Talamantes coming um, along with, uh, what what would you say the gentleman's name was, Henry? Henry Dillinger. Henry Dillinger. Um, They're going to be doing an evening um, of romance. It's going to be arias, poetry that is set to music that um, Danielle will be singing. There'll be some candles lit up in the jack. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a nice romantic atmosphere. And of course, there'll be a bar. And you said you don't have to... Be in a couple to come. You can come by yourself. Or bring um, your you friends bring out. Bring your friends. Have a group night out. Um, it's a perfect treat for uh, that next couple of days, the romantic time of year. I don't like to mention the actual day. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, and and really, what I think about is it's going to warm you up because we're still experiencing some of this cold weather that's happening. So, um, mm-hmm. and of course, you can find out more information at jazzandclassics.org, and that'll lead you right to the ticket link, or you can go to jah c.org and i'm sure you can get tickets right there oh you can't get them on the jack website no okay. not this time okay you can get them at the door okay get them at the door mm-hmm. um but it's at the jack it is at the jack okay so you can either get them at the door or go to jazzandclassics.org in advance to get your tickets um and it's an evening of romance from juno jazz and classics Awesome. Well, Sandy, Rachel, thank you so much for coming in today and telling us all about this. Uh, is there anything between now and May that we need to know about? Not so far. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just checking to make sure. But May's going May's to be huge, right? But yeah, got, huge. Um, uh, Juno Jazz Fest this weekend and an evening of romance on Monday. Jazz for everybody. Jazz all around. Yep. That's I it. love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Gwyneth Cheese for being here. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Up next, how do we go about getting the things we want? What are some of the tools that you can use to help? We'll chat with manifesting coach Julie Peters about that and more next here on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. But first, let's have a star party. Let's have a star party. This is Steve Kosos with the Marie Drake Planetarium. I'm going to talk about SNOPS. It's an acronym, C-H-N-O-P-S. 
It stands for the six elements that are 98% of life as we know it. Carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur is what mainly composes what's in all living things here on Earth. The only place where we know life exists. And that's like 98% of it. Now, hydrogen, which is the most common element in the universe, was created at the time of the Big Bang, which is 13.7 billion years ago. The other elements, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur, were created in the cores of stars that are undergoing nuclear fusion. And there's a process called nucleosynthesis, which generates all these elements up to iron, which is the most stable of the elements. And then the elements beyond iron are created when a supernova explosion occurs. And also the supernova explosion is what distributes these elements around the universe. And these elements can go through multiple iterations of being in the core of stars and then being dispersed by supernova explosions. So the, the saying from Carl Sagan that we are all stardust is 100% true. And uh, all inspiring is that the hydrogen is from the very origin of the universe, the Big Bang, 13.7 billion years ago. This is Steve Kosas with the Marie Drake Planetarium. Our public shows are on our website at mariedrakeplanetarium.org. Thank you. Listening to Juno Afternoon from Studio 2K at KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Last December, we spoke with Coach Julie Peters about Manifesting 101 and her series of public classes at the library, which are still going on. There's a few more left. Well, we wanted to learn more, and Julie is back with us now to share about manifesting the power of belief and ways to help you along the path to your dreams. Gunath Cheesh, Haigudi, thank you so much for being here and coming back. Wasa Iati. How's it going, Julie? It's going very well. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited. Of course, yeah. Uh, this is a very interesting topic and one that I'm very interested in. We had a, a really good conversation last time you were here, and we wanted to expand on that a little bit. And um, so give us an update. What's happening? Where, where do we need to go? Yeah. So just to let you all know that the classes are still happening on Saturdays. They're 1 p.m. at the Valley Library. They're an hour long. Um, and there are three more classes left. Um, so there's been a, there will be a total of eight. If you haven't come to any of them yet, it's perfectly appropriate for you to drop in and check it out. There's something to learn um, at every class. Um, and I secure, I have a um, the larger room at the Valley Library to accommodate more people. So I ran into a little bit of a squishy situation. So I'm expanding and that's a great problem to have. Of course. That's great. 
And then we also, I'm also offering the class on Zoom at 10 a.m. Alaska time. And if you're interested in attending on Zoom, you can go to my Facebook page, which is Julie Peters Mindset Coaching. And that's where I talk about each week what, what we're going to be covering that week. And it has a Zoom link and any other information you might want to gather. This is a new Facebook page for me, so it's in the making. Um, so there's not a lot of content there now. Um, but it's good in the next couple of weeks, it's going to, I'm going to start, um, rolling out my programs that I'm offering for coaching and I'm doing it in a group coaching format so that I'm doing this because that's how I was coached. Um, and there is so much power in learning from other people and their situations. And when they share what's going on with them, um, the whole group gets to learn from hearing that and from hearing the coaching from that. So rather than just one-on-one, which you will get a little bit of one-on-one if you sign up for one of my programs, but there's just so much more to learn from everyone. And we're all relating to each other and resonating with each other's stories. We all have these same limiting beliefs. And so it's like a uh, exponential coaching, if you will. It's nice because you hear somebody say something that might remind you about uh, an area of your life, or it might remind you of a story, or just hearing someone else maybe have the same issue as you to recognize that you're not alone in that, um, wh- whatever that limiting thing might be, and and be able to hear that in a group is is a wonderful thing, I think. So that's really great. And I do want to mention that the classes that are at the library, those are open to the public, right? They are. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You can just uh, pop in. You can email me and let me know you're coming or just pop in. And mention your Facebook page one more time. What was it? Julie? Facebook page is Julie Peters Mindset Coaching. Mindset Coaching. And that's a new page. And that's yes. great. And your email is juliepeterscoaching at gmail.com. Yes. Right? Okay, great. Okay. So let's remind folks about manifesting overall. And, yeah. and what do we want to make sure that we understand about that going forward? Yeah. Basically, you know, the class I'm teaching is called Manifesting 101. As a coach, I'm I'm um, working on well-being. Well-being is successful. It's happy. It's satiated and fulfilled. It's feeling purpose-driven. Mm. Um, and so health comes with those things. When you are doing what you love and creating new things and connecting with other people and living within alignment of what you want for yourself, then you are creating um, health and wealth in your physical body and your relationships, um, romantic relationships, family and friendly relationships. Um, you are just, you, you are success. And um, so that's really what I'm hoping to bring people to find, uh, to identify their desires and use the tools that I give to you to create that. We can create that and we can create it far faster than we've been taught that we can and easier because we are going to, um, I'm going to guide you to live within the laws of nature or the universal laws, if you will. So you're living in alignment with how nature works, not against it, with it. And that's how we can make some exponential gains. I have something I could read real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely, that, please. Okay. So this this um, is an excerpt from Dr. Price Pritchett's The Promise, or, or the book is called um, You Squared. 
um, and the chapter is called The Promise. And this kind of highlights the people who really have a drive. They have some desire. They have some dream, but they just keep pushing it aside. There's not enough time. I could never do that. I don't have the money. You know, who am I? No one would listen to me. Um, but they really have that desire identified, and it's something big, and they want to go for it. So I'm kind of speaking to those people right now um, through Price Pritchett. Um, he says, right now, in this moment, you are capable of exponential improvement in your performance. You can multiply your personal effectiveness, hit new highs, and shatter your old achievement records. The results you can have will be hard for you to imagine. You can become you squared. You don't have to settle for things as they are now. That can change dramatically. If you're ready, life is prepared to give you a breakthrough experience. You can jump to a higher orbit of achievement, live the dream, enjoy a completely different plane of success. So that is often referred to as the the quantum leap, mm. um, just exponential um, progress towards your goal. And I can show you the way to do that. And you've got unseen forces supporting you towards what you want that we just haven't been taught. We don't. They are actually ancient teachings. They've been lost. There are teachings in the Bible that can maybe be um, interpreted differently. So we kind of lost the understanding. Um, but, you know, there was a, a movement in the early 1900s called the New Thought Movement of authors like um, Neville Goddard and Napoleon Hill. Um, and then, uh, you know, their mentees, Bob Proctor, really trying to bring to life, bring this back to life. Um, so people know and they have the, a choice, you know, great choices to make in life to achieve what they want. Um, oh, and great. I'm trying to help bring this information to the people of Juno to improve our quality of lives and improve the community experience here. Yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the things that um, you mentioned to me, and I think this, I want to chat about this a minute is, you know, obviously some of the tools that you can use. And one of the things that you talked about was um, the difference between acting as if you already have what you want. And then the phrase that we all hear is hear all the time, like fake it till you make it, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but you're, it, it seems to me like that phrase fake it till you make it still sort of, has you feeling like you don't have what you want, mm -hmm. right? So like the, it's, and that's like a, is that sort of a, it's just a, is that a switch that you just have to figure out how to turn? Um, it is, it's a skill that you can learn how to do. So just the word fake says exactly that you're faking it. What you're putting out on the outside is not really how you feel on the inside. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not in alignment with yourself. You truly are faking it. You're not being it. You're faking it. Right. Now, when you act as if you are, as an actor might do, get your mind into the place of what that person would do. How would they walk? How would they think? How would they talk? How would they react to situations? And we, we do that when we have identified our dream, we act as if the wish is fulfilled for me, um, as a mind, um, mindset and life coach, I'm acting as if right now by coming on the radio and talking about this, by offering a free class and teaching it. I'm acting as if I'm just doing it. This is new for me. Um, and what does a life and mindset coach's daily routine look like? What time do they get up? What do they do first thing in the morning? How do they interact with people? Um, you're really just acting as if you already are that person that you hope to be. And this is what is enacting the laws of the universe, connecting 
It's magnetic, if you will, um, connecting you to your dream. The more you act as if, the more you visualize it, the more you feel it, you have to feel it. Take on those feelings. What does that person feel like in their wish fulfilled? And then those are the strategies that you're using to, um, to manifest it, to bring it to you in time uncommon to us. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember a workshop uh, about sort of money. Right. And it was all about sort of about abundance. Right. And understanding that abundance is there. You have to believe that the abundance is there mm -hmm. because we're always everybody's short on cash, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I don't have enough money. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. But the, if you can find those ways through um, and the thinking and the mindset of abundance in the universe that this stuff can attract you know, it can attract more to you. And then the other thing that I think is interesting because you're bringing up it as if like an actor. And one of the things about acting that I love as a, as a past actor was it was all about action. It's like, what are you doing? Right. Because we can have a dream. We can say, oh yeah, I want to be, you know, I want to have this business, but I'm not actually sure what to do. Well, you have to might take that first step, right? Mm -hmm. Of like looking into it, looking at what it might take to do that, um, but then try to break it down into steps. And that's kind of what some of these things are, right? In terms of figuring out how your mindset can approach um, the things that you want. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're, Dr. Wayne Dyer says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Ooh, I like that. So that uh, that came to mind when you said, you know, we have this uh, fear and scarcity around money. It's kind of built into our culture that there's not enough and you got to work really hard and, you know, don't ever quit a job if you are making good money, which is exactly what I just did a month ago. Um, <laughs> a job I loved, by the way, infant learning program. Hi, guys. Um you know, you, there is an abundant supply. Um, if you believe in the law of energy, that everything is made out of energy and energy cannot be destroyed and it cannot be created. That means everything, every possibility in the world <laughs> already exists. It's already out there waiting to be claimed, waiting to be drawn to you, waiting for you to do your part. And you're absolutely right. The action, if you don't implement action, you're not doing your part. It won't come to you. Wait, so you're telling me that this is blowing my mind. Good. So you're telling me that everything <laughs> exists and it's just waiting for me to approach it. Yep. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> and this is science-based. This is our new science. This is our new physics, quantum science, quantum mechanics, Um it, it's studying the smallest particles of matter to observe what they do under different circumstances. And we're extrapolating that information because those are the laws of nature. That's studying the laws of nature. And we operate, our bodies and our minds operate under the laws of nature. So we're taking that quantum science information and extrapolating it and um, extending it to our lives and how we can live within those rules and laws to create the things we want. So the newest science is telling us that we, okay, here's, here's some more mind blowing. We have the power as creators, spiritual beings in a physical body, having a human experience. We have the power to turn our thoughts into things. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a biggie. 
Yeah, um, that's, that's I'm sitting with that for a minute. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's a biggie. Um, but this, you know, this so this mindset and spiritual life set coaching that I'm offering is is a bit of a different spin than uh, maybe the first type of life coaching that was out there. This is a new spin with the new science. Now, one of the things that I think people may, I just wonder what holds people back, right? So like in terms of thinking about, oh, I want to go to Julie's class on Saturday at the public. It's free. I might as well go check it out. Even though they're already, you know, a few classes in, there's only three left. I could still take action and go do that um, because why not, right? Go figure out, maybe learn a little something because I think some people might have the, you know, oh, this is like, um, what is, I, I want to use the word kooky, mm-hmm. but you know, or it's kooky or it's woo-woo. too woo woo, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But really when you, when you're breaking it down for us, it's really about your belief system and what you choose to believe and mm-hmm. how you and how you manifest, I guess, is what we're is what we're talking about in terms of like, OK, if I can break this down and figure out that and know that everything is out there and I just have to figure out how to take those steps to create the actions to make that come to me. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, the action is the last step you take. Right. The steps before that, I mentioned a little bit about visualizing, and you have to act as if and feel the feelings and um, study the material, because if you don't have a true faith and belief, then your your paradigm, which is your already collected thoughts and beliefs and behaviors that you learned up to seven years old will take over. We all have it walking around with a paradigm right now. Yeah. It's one step forward, three steps back kind of thing. Yeah. Because yes, because if you have a paradigm that you acquired um, from birth to seven years old, when you didn't have a conscious mind, you only had your subconscious mind and everything you experienced during those years went directly to your subconscious as a belief your subconscious does isn't discerning like your conscious mind to say, mm, I'm not sure if I believe that. Your subconscious mind says, okay, yes. So for the first seven years of your life, you said, okay, yes, I believe that to all of your experiences. So many of us are still walking around with that paradigm. I venture to say most of us, um, close to all of us. And that paradigm will keep you from doing the things you want to do. Like you said, the class, the paradigm would say to people, oh, I don't know if I want to spend my time doing that, or I really should probably go do this, or I've missed all the classes already. It wouldn't make sense for me to go, or I'm not sure I want to go. You know, we can think of a hundred reasons why we're not going to go do that. That's your paradigm talking. Yeah. And so part of my coaching is redesigning that paradigm, replacing those uh, negative thoughts, those limiting beliefs about ourselves with positive ones. And through this um, study and education of this material, you begin to learn that you are you can redesign your paradigm and and we get we get even addicted to these um the um hormonal releases if you have a paradigm that has you feeling maybe hopeless or down or dissatisfied or life really doesn't work out for me or I'm anxious or depressed or scared or fearful then you have a an internal environment of a release of um um, stress-related hormones, so cortisol and um, adrenaline. And we can get addicted to that internal atmosphere of chemicals. And it's it, and that additionally makes it hard to break out of it. So even if you start to feel good, your paradigm says, no, 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 that's not us. That's not safe. We don't know that. We're not comfortable. Plus, I'm not comfortable with all these 
internal feel good feelings as well. Like my system just feels different and that's scary because it's different. It's not familiar. And so you're really kind of, you're working against both of those systems, your paradigm and your internal cocktail. But as addicting as that negative um, internal atmosphere is, we can make it a positive internal atmosphere, releasing oxytocin and serotonin and all the feel-good hormones by living in a, a higher state, by having higher thoughts and feeling better and acting better. And now we're creating a new inner chemistry, which we can become addicted to. And so it's harder once you're in there and you've got it, you know, it's really taken over, then it's hard to go back to the negative cocktail mix. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll have to have you back for part three um, wow. and maybe more because there's so much to talk about here. Um, it's Julie Peters. Julie Peters Mindset Coaching is on Facebook. And also you can hit the class, which has three more classes. It's at the Valley Library at one o'clock on Saturdays for the next three weeks. And you can also reach Julie at juliepeterscoaching at Gmail. Dot com. Julie, it's always a pleasure to have you in, and I know we're going to have you back. Um, thank you so much for coming in today, Gunnath Cheesh, and uh, break a leg with all the rest of the classes, as we say in the theater. <laughs> thank you, Boston. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds wild. Hi, I'm Riley Woodford for the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. A pod of humpback whales burst from the surface of the water near Juneau, lunge feeding. Their knobby chins and faces are spotted with patches of barnacles. Those barnacles are whale barnacles, hitchhikers that live on the whale's skin. Whale-bound barnacles are a different species than the familiar shore-bound barnacles seen on rocks at low tide. And this species of barnacle is found only on humpback whales. Another species is unique to gray whales. These barnacles are huge as far as barnacles go, about the size and shape of a golf ball cut in half. They colonize the whale's skin in huge numbers, and a single humpback whale can have close to a thousand pounds of barnacles. That's a lot of baggage. Relative to the humpback's 80,000 pound body, it's about as much extra weight as the clothing on a person. But new evidence indicates that the humpback whales might not be indifferent to that extra baggage. Small video and tracking devices attached to humpback whales show them spiraling, rolling, and scraping against the sandy, shallow ocean floor. And marine scientists think that they do this to remove barnacles and other ectoparasites. Barnacles do add weight and friction, and they do slow the whales down as they swim. Killer whales have long been known to also roll and scrape against sandy and gravelly seafloor areas. Sounds wild. I'm Riley Woodford. You're listening to Community Supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Akbe, and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Juno Audubon Society looks to conserve the natural ecosystems of Southeast Alaska, focusing on birds and other wildlife. Their series of Thursday conversations continues tomorrow, February 8th at 6.30 p.m. at UAS Egan Room 221 with When Whales Die, the Gruesome Aftermath, presented by Susie Tierlink. Here now, live in Studio 2K, dedicated to Carolyn Hobbs-Pizen, 
Carolyn Hobbs Peterson, our Brenda Wright from Juno Audubon, and presenter Susie Tierling. Thank you so much for being here. Good to see you. How's it going? Happy New Year. Thanks for having us. Of course. It's so good. So, When Whales Die, the Gruesome Aftermath. (laughs) (laughs) Susie, tell us a little bit about this talk that's happening tomorrow. Sure. It it seems like it needs a a little bit of background here. So I work for NOAA Fisheries and I'm a biologist for the Protected Resources Division. And um, one of the things that we do is we uphold the Marine Mammal Protection Act. And uh, that helps um, dictate a a requirement to actually go out and learn about marine mammals that die. And we need to collect data on them and we need to understand why they died and look for trends. And uh, so as part of those obligations, we... And we'll, we'll go out and, and get those data whenever we can. And uh, sometimes that's in the form of large whales, which, as you might imagine, is uh, a, just a, a lot bigger animal to try and investigate and, um, and, and interesting as well. So um, we um, have several cases that we'll cover. And, and tomorrow night, I will be talking about what happens after a whale dies. If, you know, how, how do we go about the business of uh, collecting data and samples and do a little storytelling about that. Yeah. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) How do It is an interesting problem, right? And I do want to let people know that um, you have a caution in here that tomorrow there will be some graphic material. Obviously, we're going to be seeing some images and various other things that you might talk about that uh, might have some, you know, have to do with death, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that because the the images are graphic. We're we're doing uh, what we call a necropsy. Um, this is the death investigation on animals. When we do this for ourselves, we call it an autopsy. Okay. Uh, but in in other animals, we call it a necropsy. And so we're actually you know um, cutting into the animal and, and investigating, trying to determine cause of death and collect samples. And it's pretty gory. And yeah. there's a lot of gore because they're huge. Because they're huge. And do, do is it, what are some of the things that you have learned so far? Is that some of the stuff you'll be sharing tomorrow? Is there different things that you're looking, do you go in looking for something specific or are you just looking to see like what cause of death was or what kind of other things are happening in the environment that are affecting the whales? Yeah. All of the above. Okay. Uh, when an animal dies, this unfortunate event is um, an un- in, in and amongst that is an opportunity to learn about why they died, mm-hmm. collect information um, about that so that we can look for trends and concerning um, areas to focus our conservation management. But it's also an opportunity to learn more about the species um, and, and their external and internal physiology. So we get uh, the chance to um, focus on cause of death, um, collect tissue samples, general morphometrics, um, among other things. And does then, then does NOAA use this in some way? Yeah, absolutely. All of these data um, go into a marine mammal health and stranding network database and are pooled across the country. Oh, and wow. So there's um, efforts to consolidate those data. Um, and also, it's um, worth mentioning all this work happens under a NOAA permit, and so this is a permitted activity. It's not something that just anybody can go and start um, cutting into or investigating um, a marine mammal. Uh, but we do authorize partners across the state to help collect those data so that we can yeah, get as much as possible. 
Wow, it sounds fascinating. It's tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. It's uh, at the UAS Egan Room 221, the Glacier View Room, which is above the Egan Lecture Hall, just so you know. And of course, you can find out more at junoaudubon.org. And Brenda, I also wanted to ask you about what's upcoming at the Audubon Society after tomorrow. I know we're going to be showing a movie next month. Yeah, we're really excited about it. As usual, March is when the UAS has a uh, interim time out. And so we're not allowed to use that building. There's other things going on. So we're going to go down to Goldtown uh, Theater and watch Flyways. We're going to have two showings. And it's a, it's a wonderful movie about migration and the people that study it for birds. Oh, wow. I love this work. All this work about looking at the environment and figuring out how to make it better. And like you said, for the conservation efforts and things like that for the whales. And then this is the same thing I bet we'll be learning in this film as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. And it's free and open to the public. It's free and open to the public. And of yes. course, that'll be on the website at junoaudubon.org yes. uh -huh. as yes. well, right? March 13th. March 13th is that movie called Flyaways? Flyways. Flyways. Flyaways? No, no, Flyways. Flyways. The, the, okay. The, it's the na natural ways that they fly uh, down the mountains or around the prairies. Oh, I love that. I love that. Play on where? I love that. Flyways. Um, and that'll be uh, next month. But this month and tomorrow is February 8th at 6.30 p.m. It's When Whales Die, The Gruesome Aftermath. It's presented by Susie Tierlength, and it's about a large group of scientists scientists examine bodies and to understand the cause of death and all those other things that we were talking about. It sounds like uh, I'm always amazed at the work that folks do because I'm so curious about, you know, how one gets into that, you know, and it's just, it's wonderful work that you do. Unfortunately, we're a little bit out of time today, but um, I'm just fascinated by all the people that work at NOAA and all the science that you all do out there. And so this talk tomorrow, When Whales Die, the Gruesome Aftermath is going to be at UAS Egan Room 221. Thank you so much for coming in today. Gunnath Cheesh. Thank you Thank so you. much. <laughs> That's going to do it today for Juno Afternoon. On tomorrow's show, Culture Rich Conversations continues their exploration of Black History Month with the first of two episodes on Black Love in Alaska. Juno Afternoon airs Tuesday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KTO Juno 104.3 and KAUK Juno Auk Bay 91.7. Find the show online at ktoo.org slash Juno Afternoon. I'm Boston Christopher, producer and host of the program with help today from Aaron Tripp.